Welcome to the Global Citizen Life Podcast. Today on the show, we have Ali Mona, Mona joining us. Allie is a loving wife and passionate mother of four daughters. Allie's life journey has been nothing short of extraordinary. For 16 years, she called China home, immersing herself in its rich culture and traditions. However, her adventurous spirit led her and her family to a new chapter in life. And now for two years, they've embraced the warm and vibrant culture of Mexico. Allie is not just a dedicated mother and wife, she's also a thriving entrepreneur. Her entrepreneurial spirit shines through two diverse businesses. In the realm of the natural health and wellness, Allie has made it her mission to promote holistic well-being and empower others to lead healthier lives. Simultaneously, in the world of branding, she helps businesses establish and refine their identities, making them stand out in today's competitive market. One of Allie's greatest joys is raising her children in foreign lands. She believes that exposing them to different cultures and languages from a beauty of diversity, building a tapestry of memories woven from the threads of the world's cultures. Ali's unique journey from China to Mexico, her dedication to her family, and her dual roles as wellness advocate and branding expert make her a captivating guest on today's podcast. Thank you very much for Ali for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. I hope that it ends up being captivating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it will. You've had um, quite different lifestyles and cultures. So before moving to China, where did you originally live? So I was raised in Rhode Island, so east okay. coast of the U.S., mm -hmm. went to school in Pennsylvania, and I grew up in a very homogenous community. Um, Pennsylvania was really my first experience with a diverse American culture, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to learn Chinese. Okay. So I started learning Chinese. So my first, actually, this is incredible. When I was a junior in high school, I had a sub once and this, she was a white woman who had spent a year abroad in Japan and she spent the entirety of the class writing our names in kanji wow and something broke in my brain like i just remember being like i want to be able to do that like how does she do that mm -hmm. so when i went to university i studied business but i went to school at a liberal arts um college so business if you were going to have a business major you had to choose a language in a region to specialize in okay and i knew i wanted to do an asian language but I didn't know anything really about the cultures. And so I remember choosing Chinese because in my like 18 year old news perception of the world, mm -hmm. I remember thinking Japan's population is declining and China's population is increasing. So there's probably going to be more business if I can learn Chinese. And that's really how this international lifestyle began. And so then how did you end up moving to China for 16 years? I know. Isn't that crazy? Uh, it seems impossible. So <laughs> my junior year abroad, um, so I went to a school where 84% on average of the juniors go abroad. So a huge okay. emphasis on international experience and education. So I went to Beijing um, as a junior and I met my husband. So my husband's from California 
but he was there studying. He was really playing. If you ask him like what he was doing there, he was playing. <laughs> um, and you know, he found his future wife. And so we started dating and ended up dating long distance forever and ever. Um, first China, America, and then California, Pennsylvania. And then finally in 2008, well, let me back up. I graduated university in 06 and I had a business degree and I was fluent in Mandarin. And the only job I could find in the States was selling furniture door to door. Oh, like the state what? department didn't accept me. Like the government made all of my bases. And so I was like, I guess it's a sign. I guess I'm going to go back. Wow. So I went back 2006, 2008, and I lived in a tiny city in the Northeast of China by Korea. And I worked for an oil company. And okay. there were, I was an interpreter. Sorry. I started as an English teacher for engineers that were getting ready to go abroad. Then after a year of that, I was the only foreigner in a city of a million, a million person city in China is considered very small. Um, mm -hmm. Right. But I was the only foreigner. And so my Chinese got really good mm -hmm. because it's not even like, you know, Shanghai, you have tons of English level, right? Chinese people who speak fantastic English, whether for hobby or work where I was, no one spoke any English. So my second year there, I started to work as an interpreter because the oil that they extract from the ground up North is like Canadian oil. So we would have okay. Canadian engineers come for business. And so from 2007, 2008, I was an interpreter for them. Then I got married in 2008. And it took me so long to love living in China. It took me so long, like three years until I was like, okay, I got this. Wow. Like, I can do okay. this. I love living here. Um, and then I was getting married and my husband was super close to his family. And I was like, do you want to come back and start our life? together and he agreed and I was shocked wow. so he said I'll finish up the states you find a place for us to live in China and at that time I was like e if he has to come here and be cordoned off in the middle of nowhere like we're not going to thrive and so I chose Shanghai as our home base okay. tons of expats great churches you know just like the whole the whole package and so we ended up in Shanghai from 2008 until 2018, 10 years in Shanghai together. Wow. Yeah. What, what did he do? How did he adjust? Like I know he had, he had been there before. So was it hard for him to find a job or how did, how did that work? Yeah. So we went, yeah, so we went on Travis, like tourist visas initially. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have jobs. I didn't even know that like expats are sent places. Like, I didn't know that that world existed until I got mm -hmm. to Shanghai and was like, whoa, these global companies sent you here and hooked you up with the house, with the driver, with the school. Like, I didn't even know it existed, Sally. Like, I was <laughs> living in the middle of nowhere as an expat, right? Scraping mm -hmm. Remedy by. And uh, we found, we both found work at a nonprofit that served the expat community in Shanghai. So he did the family programming and I did the marketing and sales part. And we did that for a number of years. And I had my first daughter. I have four daughters. I had my first daughter pretty soon after we got married. And after I had her, I wanted to go part-time because I wanted more time with my baby. 
It's mm-hmm. very natural. Makes sense. And there was not room at that place to do part-time. And so I ended up moving to an international school in the marketing department. Okay. And it was a fantastic position. So international schools in China are incredibly competitive because if you are sent there as a foreigner, you can't go to local school. Right. The language, there's um, like identification. Like if you don't have a Chinese citizenship and the language, it's so hard that there's there's no way a foreigner could come and land and acclimate like that. So international schools serve all of the passport, foreign passport holding students that end up in these countries, especially in Asia, where the language barrier is so high. So we ended up there and about three years later, my husband ended up at that same international school and he worked in the admissions department. So that was kind of his career path through mm-hmm. China. Um, in 2016, I had my last biological daughter. And then a couple months later, we met a little girl who we would move to adopt in the same year. And so her adoption process took about 18 months. Okay. We finalized in May of 2018. And then he worked, he found another job down in the south of China in a city called Shenzhen, which is the border town with Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you work international schools, you have packages, right? Of how many students get tuition, how many of your family get medical insurance and all that. And the package that was offered in Shanghai didn't cover our adopted daughter. Okay. So we had to make some different choices, right? As we mm-hmm. were growing our family. And ended up in a school in the South that did. And okay. that's where we were there the last three years. Wow. And so now because your two daughters were born there, are they automatic citizens within China or they don't do that? Because some countries they, do, some countries don't. They don't. In fact, all four of our daughters, so three were born there. And what happens in China is when you have a baby, you have 30 days to get mom, baby, and dad to the U.S. consulate. Okay. Or embassy, if you're in Beijing where the embassy is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you take their Chinese hospital birth certificate. You also cannot have home births in China. It's illegal. Oh, okay. Well, they want, they want to keep track of everyone? You have to have keep track of all babies. Mm-hmm. So you get a hospital printed birth certificate. Birth. You take that to the consulate or embassy. And then they, um, baby has to get a passport and baby has to get what's it called, a COC, a certificate of citizenship. It's basically their okay. U S um, birth certificate. If you, mm-hmm. will. you have, you have to do that. You have to get the baby's passport because you, your, your time clock is going to get a visa into that passport or else the baby is illegally staying in the country. That's, a little odd. I mean, you got all baby. these moms like, who are was like, a baby hardly, born there. Like, right. What is it going to do? Recovering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Hardly recovering from birth, labor and delivery. And there's all these teeny tiny babies, you know, in the consulate getting their paperwork. Um, so you get the baby's passport. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to the Chinese government agencies to get the proper visa in the, in the passport. So no, China does not allow dual citizenship. In fact, when we adopted our Chinese daughter, she had to give up her Chinese citizenship in order to have the U S citizenship. 
I, I was gonna gonna ask that that that's that's how it works there. Interesting. So I mean, a very interesting time there and and in different cities. So culture and everything, obviously very different from the United States. What then made you make the decision after 16 years to go to Mexico as maybe like opposed to back to the U.S. or somewhere of other country? That is a really good question. We never intended to leave China. You know, we had 2034 was our date that we could retire. All the girls were going to be gone. Um, and then COVID hit. And COVID hit after, let's see. I guess it would have been our second year in, in Shenzhen. Yeah. Our second year in Shenzhen. And it was managed incredibly strictly and incredibly well. Yes. The first year. So while the rest of the world was going crazy and there was no kids in school and all that, my kids were in school. My kids didn't miss any school except for in 2020, they missed, they were online for those remaining months of school. Mm-hmm. All of 2021, they were in school. It was the summer of 21 when the government was getting unbelievably strict with um, vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, in my natural wellness business, I preach empowerment and choice. And my daughter was born with half of a heart. And my research was saying, and her care team was saying, maybe we wait on this, right? For hot, but they don't know, right? It was, they didn't know. Right. And so we didn't have a choice. It was tied to my husband's employment. Oh. So we made the decision from start to finish, made the decision to leave and we were gone in three weeks. Wow, that's fast. 16 years, everything my children knew you know, China's so far away. It's like, you go back to Canada once a year, right? We were going back to America with six of us. We were going back eh, once every two, three, four years. Right. You know, like my kids have American passports, but culturally they are not American. Mm -hmm. If that's even a, you know, a thing. Just because a a passport, I mean, a passport is a document. We can go buy a passport from a country. That doesn't mean, you know, the citizenship by investment kits St. Kitts and Nevis, we can buy one or invest and get one. That doesn't mean we're, you know, we could do it and never step foot there. So just because somebody has a passport doesn't really mean they're culturally part of that country. Right. And to be honest, as American passport holders, we have a lot of benefits where other countries might not right like we can come Mm -hmm. into my um my husband is Samoan so American naturalized so he immigrated Mm -hmm. to the states with his parents when he was five does not have a valid Samoan um passport anymore but his baby sister married a Fijian so they were trying to visit us in Mexico the Fijian could not get uh an entrance into Mexico Right. So yes, I would still keep my US passport because there are such incredible benefits to travel benefits to having the the passport. So we picked up everything in three weeks and then moved to um moved to the States for three weeks. So stay with my sister-in-law in San Diego. And I cried for about the three weeks leading up. 
cried every day, mourned and mourned and mourned, like could not but it's, believe. It's, I mean, it's so, it's so fast, like 16 it years. Awful. It's one thing and it's different. Like for me, I'm thinking about moving, preparing, looking at stuff, but you know, and then kind of making the decision I'm going to do, but just to have your whole, and, and for me, it's just me. Like it's, it's different too. So having four kids, your spouse, and then in three weeks to think of packing up all of your stuff, leaving and actually, and then physically going, like it's, it's crazy when it was not part of the plan ever. It wasn't part of the plan. And my daughter, Grace, so most, most people who adopt Chinese children adopt them from abroad, mm-hmm. right? They adopt them from abroad. They come to China, they get them, they do the whole tour, they go home, they go home. They don't have to worry about entering China again, right? Cause right. they don't live there. Well, for us, Grace, even though she had us citizenship, when we flew back into China, she had to fly back into China on her Chinese passport. Because when they went to apply for a visa to put in her U.S. passport, it still Mm -hmm. said in their system that she was a Chinese citizen. Well, a Chinese citizen can't get a foreign visa for a foreign passport to reside in China. But Chinese citizens also cannot enter America without an American visa in their passport. Mm -hmm. So in those three weeks, we had to drive two hours up to Guangzhou where the nearest U.S. consulate was and apply for a B1 or B2, I can't remember which entrance visa it was, just to get my kid who already had a US passport to be able to enter, exit the country. That's that's weird. It 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 was insane. It, it It was logistically a nightmare. And so, yeah, I mean, at that point we were like, okay, we need to leave China, but where do we go? Right. Where do you go? In different countries. So this is this was around the end of 2021. So still countries. July 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So still some countries were still in lockdown. Some were out. Some had restrictions. Some did not. Like I remember that time because I was doing some travel too and just figuring out who has what going on by the time I buy the flight. Is it going to change within the next three weeks or two and weeks? And remember, or... we had one Chinese passport holder. So we have and... five American passport holders and one Chinese passport holder which complicates things everything immensely when you're traveling like that. Mm-hmm. So I remember distinctly the conversation Ron and I had about, well, where to? Like, think about that. If you can go anywhere because you're not attached to anything or any location, where are we going to go? So at that time, it, COVID was still quite challenging around the world. And we thought, you know what? It's been a long time since we've been closer to home. But we don't want to live in the States. Canada wasn't accepting anybody. What, who do we know in Mexico? Now I had never even vacationed in Mexico, right? Who do we know in Mexico? And get this, 18 years ago, when I lived up in that teeny tiny little Chinese city, one day I was walking on the street and this foreign woman was walking towards me. And it was like seeing a ghost. And I think my first words to her were like, what are you doing here? so rude but it was just like so shocking because for two years there were no other foreigners right right and she had been hired at some english training center that literally she went to work one day windows were chained like closed down something super shady and she was like 
I'm going to travel around China. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, heck yeah. So we took 60 days and went to 58 cities all around China. Wow. Right before we got, right before I got married. And so I called her up because she had lived in this little Mexican city for all of those years. And I said, Hey, how's COVID? And what is schooling like? And what is medical care like? Because with Grace needing cardiologist support, the considerations were, can we get our kids into school? Because they didn't speak any any Spanish, right? They were bilingual Chinese English, but they didn't speak any Spanish. And can we get medical care? And can we make friends? I mean, we're pretty good at being expats, right? We're pretty good at knowing how to make friends and how to connect with people, right? So the idea Mm -hmm. was, so we live in this tiny little city in the middle of the mountains. There's like 200,000 people total, okay, inside the city, outside suburbs and stuff. The idea was we're going to go and hide out. We're going to let this whole like COVID thing blow over. Mm-hmm. That was the idea, right? We're going to go, we're going to yeah. go for a year. We're going to cry and mourn the loss of the life that we thought we were going to continue living. Mm-hmm. And we're going to give it a go. Now, because my city is so small, there's no English speaking schools. Oh, And there's no international schools. Right. Because it's generally the bigger cities that will have those. Correct. And so we put our kids in at kindergarten, fourth and sixth grade into a private school that had zero Spanish as a second language support. And they were still wearing masks. So just imagine, right? Sixth grade, you're learning like biology, right? You're learning government and civics and ethics, and you don't understand a lick what's being taught. And they were still masked. And you're all messed up. You can't, you can't even see the teachers. Exactly. Yeah. To acquire a language. Yeah. Right. So my oldest was, um, she is the type that likes to be in control and she likes to know what's going on. Not Mm -hmm. super go with the flow. She would have anxiety attacks when we first moved in class and being masked, like that didn't help. Right. You can't breathe. So she found, you know, she would have extended drinks from mm-hmm. her water bottle, you know, like she found her own ways, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, my second daughter going into fourth grade found some good friends. And as long as she has friends that love her, she doesn't care. Okay. Like she doesn't care at all, right? Everyone's just so different personality wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took my youngest daughter about, you know, a good year and a half to get a grasp of the language. Okay. But now they're top of the class. Yeah. Right. And, and I could not advocate raising children abroad enough for this reason alone. They'll go back when we were leaving, we went to our favorite um, hot pot place in China mm. as, and we knew it was the last time, you know, we were trying to get all of our lasts in, you know, right. And right. we had to take two taxis home. Cause in China, they care about seatbelts. Um, little different culture here where they're like clown cars. You can pile <laughs> as many. Load as them up want, as many that you can squeeze right? in and get the doors closed. Amazing, right? <laughs> um, and so I was in the car with her. And so she was just finishing up fifth grade at the time. So however old that is, 11, 10. And I started crying in the car. And um, I was like, yeah, I just, I'm so sad. And my 10 year old was like, you know what, mommy? We've done harder things. We're going to be okay. 
you know, this is my 10 year old as I'm bawling in the taxi going, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this, you know? And she was someone that was like, we're going to be okay. You know? And so these kids who are raised with hardship like this, they are unstoppable. Mm. And there's so many instances to go back to and be like, remember how hard that was? And you did it. Remember how hard that was? And you did it. Remember how many anxiety attacks you had and you worked through it, right? And so they could, they have all of these milestones in their world to be able to point back to when they need to have their bravery or their courage refilled, mm-hmm. right? Um, we just had crazy, when you're abroad and you're not in your own space and you're trying to navigate new things, like we rented a place for two years. And then we had to move and that moving process was insane. Closing up the old house was insane. Awful. It was horrible. And um, we're now in this, in, in a new space. And my girls were like, do you remember the last one we did in China and how crazy that was? You know, they have all of these reference points. So when hmm. things get hard, they don't fold. Right. Because they know they've, they've, they've been through the tough times before, or they look back and be like, yeah, that was hard. That sucked. But look at where we are now. Oh, we're doing it again. Well, you know, we've done it before. So we'll do it. We're doing it again now. And we can easily do it again in the future because it just becomes, even though it's stressful at the time, it just becomes easier knowing it's stressful and this stress too shall pass. And we will eventually relax again and be somewhere new and happy and laughing. Absolutely. They have an unbelievable level of grit that I didn't have as a kid, right? I'm developing it as an adult because I'm choosing this lifestyle, right? But I didn't, man, like, I just look at them sometimes and I'm like, y'all are so lucky. I know. <laughs> like set up for just the, the mental fortitude. Mm-hmm. It is the cultural fluency. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we, my daughter turned um, 13 this summer and she had a bunch of her girlfriends over for a sleepover and like hearing your kid talk and not understanding them. Cause my Spanish is still awful because I haven't been focusing on it. They're in school six hours a day. Their Spanish is incredible. And I'm like, well, I don't even understand you. Like they're cracking jokes and I'm like, Oh, it's so fun. You know, cultural level of fluency that they're acquiring is something that mm. will serve them in any path that they choose, mm. you know, any path. And so it's been really fun. In fact, for the two years, we let their Chinese go because okay. it was not priority. Priority was, can you make friends? Can you learn Spanish? Can you get comfortable mm-hmm. in school? That was priority because mm-hmm. I'm not a homeschooler, but what do I wish I was? I'm not. Um, and Nor am I. Being educated in Spanish, they will end up being native. They -hmm. would have never been native in in Chinese. Good, but not native because they weren't educated in it. Right. Right. But they have Mm -hmm. this opportunity to become native Spanish speakers, even though their parents aren't. So we let the Chinese go. And finally, uh, there's a big university in my town. And we met a Chinese mom at gymnastics who's a PhD professor at the university. And she has introduced me to a couple of her Chinese friends, a student of hers and a couple other. And so it has reignited my Chinese mm-hmm. because I think those three weeks of just cutting it off, I just cut it off. Mm-hmm. 
to like adapt and survive, adapt and survive, adapt and survive. So we got the girls back on three times a week, our Chinese lessons with teachers in China online. We just started that about a month ago because now their Spanish is Mm. so solid. It's like, no, you don't get to leave our house with having bypassed this opportunity. You don't. Well, and it's, it's, you know, they, they put in so much time and effort to learn Chinese and it just gives them more opportunity in the future, even if it's not perfect, but just keeping it and practicing it. And with your adoptive daughter also that they can speak to her in her native language as, as a family that you can speak in all those languages is really incredible. Yeah. It's, it's important to me. In China, we could have gotten away with them just having, you know, high level foreigner Chinese, right? They never had a problem. They were, you know, super, super able to communicate with whatever they needed to do. Mm. But now my oldest daughter, who's now 13, when she tells people, yeah, I spent my first 10 years of my life in China and they go say something in Chinese and she can't, Mm. she's starting to feel embarrassed. So she was the one that was like, Hey, do you think we could start doing classes again? And I'm like, yeah, you're ready for it. Because I, you know, I'm not the parent that's going to force their kids to, well, I am kind of now I'm kind of, well now they, but now, but I mean, it's, it's a little bit different now because if you know, you've had the time to adjust again to a new life, everything like that. And it, yeah, it is. You don't, it, you don't want it to be while I grew up and spent my first 10 years there and and now I can't speak it. Um, you know, and because one of your daughters is from there at the same point. So it's, it's a little bit different to be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. It is, it is Tart's time to start getting that back again and speaking it because it, it just, I I think it's good in just so many ways. Well, and they're going to look back and I tell them this because I know it's true. In 10, 15 years, they're either going to say, hey, thanks for forcing me to do those Chinese lessons. Or they're going to say, why didn't you force me to do those Chinese lessons? Yeah. The, the, absolutely. You know, yeah. mom, we had it. We had the ability. We were young. Why didn't you make us do it? Yeah. I don't want to go because I was too tired to have the fight. I don't want to, that's not the story I want to tell. Right. Because you didn't right. want to. So I didn't force it. Yeah. Well, I was a kid. I didn't want to do lots of things. Of course I didn't want, I didn't want to brush my teeth. You forced that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So you're right. It's, it's as a family, especially, I mean, expat or not, but you have to choose what's important to your family culture. Right. Right. Because you have limited time, you have limited financial resource. Most of us do, right? Mm-hmm. There's limits. There's certainly time limits. I'm now looking at my oldest daughter mm-hmm. going, ah, five years. It's all I have left. Like that's it. I have five years left. And mm-hmm. when you raise your kids abroad, like we do, we don't raise them to stick around. No, it's you not, it's not in them. Go. It's not in them to stick around. Like that's, that's, I don't know. So my baby wants to go yeah. to Europe. She has had her heart in France. Yes. Oh, that's what I'm considering. I'm considering it? it's it's one of my right. considerations. Yeah, right now, France. You know, and I keep trying to push it towards Spain. 
because I'm like, but you're going to be fluent in Spanish, baby. You know? Like, yeah, I've got residency in Spain, so I, I feel her. I've, I've yeah, lived right? there for a while. I've, I've got Spain residency, and I'm I'm currently in Montenegro, but thinking of going to France. Amazing, yeah, so, right? Like the yeah. world is their oyster, but that Absolutely. also means as parents that we have to work to build our life. So yeah. here's my, our overarching parenting goal is when our children are gone, doing whatever, like living their life, when they've been launched, right? That they yeah. want to come back home, even when they don't have to. Right. Right. That we create a family culture. We want our kids to go, but we want them to want to come back. Right. Mm. So we parent with that relationship in mind, not just trying to be right or trying to get them to do what we want them to do. You know, all those things that parents yeah. do. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that means that. Ron and I have to create careers and lifestyles that we can pick up and move whenever we need to. Because if my kids end up on the four corners of the earth, which is quite possible, it really is, you know, it really is quite possible. Yeah. And so we need to be able to build something that we mm. can take wherever we go. Right. Right. And you can't build that overnight. No, it takes time. It takes time. And so there's a lot of forward thinking. There's a lot of strategy that goes into sustaining this sort of a global lifestyle. Right. You know that all those residencies, yeah. you know, all the paperwork <laughs> just to give you options. Yeah. Just to have you know. options because who knows options and then end and opportunity as, as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how has the adjustment for you guys been then going from the lifestyle in China to the lifestyle in Mexico? Because those are completely different cultures, like, like language, even apart from that, just day-to-day -day life, how things work, completely different. A hundred percent different. And Mexico is so easy. In China, we have to remember Chinese culture is 5,000 some odd years old. And for a lot of that time, their borders were closed to foreigners. So there were some days in China that I would think, you know what? I'm not going out there today. I'm not enduring the stairs. I'm not enduring the... Hallows. I'm not enduring any of, I'm not, I can't do it. I'm not, you know, I'm not strong. I'm just enough. not I'm, doing China today. I'm just not, not doing, doing it. it. No, mm -hmm. I had a fabulous friend. She, this story encapsulates it perfectly. Foreigner rooming with a Chinese student. And uh, in China, mm -hmm. you, in the winter time, they keep the windows open and you, they wear like a lot of big, like clothes inside the house. Okay. Um, and so when she would go and she'd put, turn like the heat on in the winter, okay. cause it's freezing cold in Shanghai, she'd come home, house would be freezing windows wide open. And she was finally like, listen, out there is China. And I do mm -hmm. China all day long in here is America. I need it to be warm. 
and comfortable, right? And so many people who live outside of their normal culture feel that way. They need that place. That is their safe zone. Yeah. Our home, I always say our home should be our sanctuary, our place of relaxation that we love to go to, that we enjoy being at our quietness or whatever it may be, sometimes parties, sometimes dinner parties, but it needs to be like our sanctuary. Yes. With no stress because there's enough stress out there. Right. I've been in Mexico two years. I have never once felt that. Nice. Not once have I been like, I can't go out there today. In fact, people here in our little town are so friendly that I, one time I, so when I have meetings, I like to go for walks. And so this one time I had a meeting with a friend and we walked Well, she walked with me, um, Hmm. 20 minutes down the road, 20 minutes back, 40 minutes. She counted that. I said, buenos dias, just to random strangers, 38 times in 40 minutes. Wow. Just this unbelievable culture of graciousness and kindness And, Mm. oh, look, you're in my bubble. I'm going to recognize you with Mm. a hello, right? Now we traveled to bigger cities here in Mexico and I'm bringing my like small town culture with me. (laughs) And people are like, you know, like looking at me funny, right? So that's okay. Yeah, different cultures, you know, different cities, cultures. But here I could not ask for a softer landing. And the expat right. community that we've developed here are a lot of times one foreigner with one Mexican. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're, it's really stable. The, the expat community in, in China is not stable because mm-hmm. they're there on a contract. If you don't have a visa, you can't stay. Like you don't right. overstay in China ever. Cause if, when you leave, you don't ever get to go back in. You're blacklisted forever. Okay. Right. And so when, when here it's, it was so easy, the language, I can understand tons, but I still, you know, speaking is still a challenge. I did not dive into my language. Like I could have, um, like I did with Chinese. Right. Um, It was a little bit different then because you started way back when you were in school and things were, were quite different. This was a three week decision to move and be in Mexico. So there's a a lot to deal with, with that, because there's not the preparation time. Usually with a move like that, people kind of start thinking about it at least six months minimum to a year in advance to, to do kind of preparation and and stuff like that, because there's, there's so very different. So, um, I mean, even if you were coming from the United States, moving to Mexico, you know, people still plan for generally at least six months yep. and Absolutely. not, not three weeks. So it's, it is quite a bit different. And then kind of the, the shock with it all, the decision and the getting, and then everything that needed to be done, you know, and then just the whole processing of, okay, well, we've just done that. And okay, I've got the girl, the kids, they've got this, the girls got that, you know, so it's, it's, it's understandable why you haven't dove into Spanish yet. Yeah. But with my girls learning their Chinese again, um, I'm using that same online language learning platform that I found for them to do Spanish lessons as well. Oh, good. Because with my schedule, 
the reality is you've got to find language learning within your own yeah. kind of style and schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, if I just, if you just tell me, Ali, you got a zoom today at 10 o'clock and you're just going to go speak some Spanish. Sweet. I'll get on. If you tell me you got to go downtown, there's a language exchange, there's a meetup. It, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not, it's not, it's not within my current lifestyle with these businesses and these kids. So you got to find mm-hmm. a way to make it work. First, mm-hmm. you have to identify, is this really important to me? It is right. Mm-hmm. It is. If you identify it's important to you, then identifying how to make it work within your schedule is super important. And I learned Chinese. Like at one point I was like this close to native Chinese when I was interpreting and not speaking any English for two years. I'm not there now anymore. Um, But I know how to learn languages. And for me, it's complete immersion and making time to prioritize it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have the ability and it is important. And when we were at, we just celebrated a Chinese holiday here with that Chinese friends I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had invited families that were half Mexican, half Chinese. Oh, interesting. So there was this whole group of kids rolling yeah. around speaking English, Chinese, and Spanish. Wow. It was just this like, man, so pick cool. the right place. Like, it's just so cool. Like, that's just not how I grew up. Right. But our kids, they don't know any different. It's all normal to them. Yeah. I remember when my baby was two years old, we were in China and I remember her asking me, um, we were having a new auntie or uncle over for dinner. Everyone becomes aunties and uncles because we're abroad. We don't have family, family, everyone's Mm -hmm. aunties and uncles. We were having somebody new over and my two-year-old asks me and do we speak English or do we speak Chinese with them, mommy? Not where are they from? How much money do they make? What do they do for a job? The question of my two-year-old was, how do I communicate with them effectively? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Just the simplest yeah. things, right? Like we really, in, in so many ways, we really should be more looking at kids, looking at how they think in, in simple terms and simple forms of what's important. How do I communicate? How do I communicate with them? What language do I have to use? Mm-hmm. Like it was incredible. You know, yeah. it was incredible. So that's, that's great. So is Mexico home for an extended mm-hmm. period of time? Cause I don't want to use the word forever because you know, we never yeah, truly know. Well, um, we thought China was forever. Ex- so. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, what, what's so what's kind of the call or the feel with with Mexico, even even maybe where you're at, as opposed to another area, or just Mexico in general? Yeah. So, um, remember the original idea was a year, mm-hmm. right? and it's already been two. Just- it's already been two plus. So I think yeah. the original, when you're making a hard choice, I mean, we moved here sight unseen, you know, right. how do you, so you say, don't well, know. this is the new mm-hmm. home? You don't know. So, so right. for us and for the kids, it was like, we're going to give this a go for one year and then we're all going to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. Right? So everyone was a go. And this is something, this is another parenting choice is do your kids have a say? Do you allow them a say? And we do and we don't, 
Mm -hmm. We allow the say, but if the say is not for their ultimate best interest, let's go back to the Chinese lesson. They have a say, but they still get on those Chinese classes. They're allowed to voice their opinion. Mm -hmm. They're allowed to say, I'm tired. They're allowed to go, mommy, again. They're allowed to go, last class was boring. They're allowed to communicate those things. Absolutely. But they're not allowed to quit. Mm -hmm. Right? Like when we said, hey, this is what we'd like to do. Are you interested in picking up your Chinese again? Three lessons a week. Once you commit, guess what? You're in, whether you feel it like it or not. Yeah. Because that's made a commitment. That's just being a human. Yeah. Right. Like trying Mm -hmm. to teach them to become good humans. Yeah. Right. Right. So after the one year we evaluated, everyone was on board for staying. And again, for different reasons, like my second, she had her bestie, right? My Mm. first was finally getting the language and the two littles, they, you know, they were five and six. They didn't care, you know? Mm -hmm. So we reevaluated again after last year and everyone again was, yeah, let's stay. My husband and I included, right? So my girls are at a super good school. Um, and next year, so Mexican education is you have six years of primary, three years of secondary, and then three years of, um, they call it crepa. It's like, um, it's high school, three years of it's high school. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, there's one crepa here. That's the official crepa, best school in the whole city public mm-hmm. school, public high school, um, that my kid wants to try to get into. They have 4,000 applications annually for 400 spots. Wow. Well, it's a good goal. So, yeah. So she's already thinking ahead and she's got one more year. Oh yeah. She's in eighth grade. She'll do ninth grade at her current school and then she'll try. So my kids have it in their mind to graduate. Long here. term. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have 10 years until our little, so they're the same age. Um, they're six weeks they're apart. Six apart. They're in the same grade. Okay. Yeah. 10 years. Cause they're in second grade in 10 years, Ron and I would probably close up shop mm-hmm. and start to travel and be wherever we're needed. Mm-hmm. Probably. Or we just downsize because we got this big old house. We don't need a big old house anymore because they're probably right. not going to come back for extended periods of time. Or, or you don't have the big house, so they can't come back for extended yeah, right? periods exactly. of time. You get and you, you an apartment. You can, yeah, you know? they, can, they can come back shortly and briefly, but it's not too comfortable to stay too long. And and then you can do your, your traveling or have, again, a, a home base somewhere else and, and then travel between wherever they may be. Yeah. I mean, I think our exit from China... Um, it's, it has shifted that long-term immovable view of what's possible. Right. And, and we had friends who had kids who were, you know, 10 years older than our kids. And they would say, you know, when, when they're young, they can, you have tons of flexibility. Once they get into middle and high school, you might want to find a place to settle down because friendships are important and continuity of study is important. And Personally, I don't really care what they're learning. They're there to make friends and master Spanish, right? Mm -hmm. Curriculum, you know, I'm that kind of a parent, you know. Well, we've got the internet. Like we can look up almost anything. So, right, you know, right. My kid took a test yesterday. Yes. Human skills and culture skills and Mm -hmm. leadership skills. 
you know, like my kids running for student government, sweet, right? Like those Mm -hmm. skills that I couldn't give them Mm -hmm. at home. Um, but they, they want to stay. So I think for the next 10 years, unless some goes nuts, right? I think people used to be able to plan, or at least they thought they could plan before COVID. Mm-hmm. COVID kind of shook up the, the feeling of stability or control, mm-hmm. right? Which is probably just, a good thing. It, it is a good thing. I mean, I, I try not to use the word plan. I, I say it's a guideline because- I know sometimes when we have a plan, like a plan is for most people, like it's a very solid, this is it. This is what I'm doing. This is the plan. Like I'm sticking to it mm-hmm. where a guideline may be, I mean, my, my end result for my plan and my guideline could be the same thing. This is my end result, but how I get there, I feel like a plan has more flexibility. There could be some detours. There's distractions. I mean, life happens. It's not going to work exactly how we think it does. But if the end result is what we want or our end result destination changes, maybe. I would have never guessed that we would have loved life here as much as we do. I bet 16 years in one place, especially a place as far away and culturally different. Mm -hmm. I didn't even look outside for the next whatever, because we were so happy. And now we're so happy that now I go, well, gosh, is there something that we would be, you know, even happier, you know? Um, But hopefully, you know, when my kids are gone and Ron and I can be a little bit more on the go, Mm -hmm. you know, then we have more time to to adventure and to, I mean, our biggest things again are setting up that plan so that we can continue to work, earn, save, and then, and live the life that we want to live with freedom and flexibility. I'm watching a lot of my friends struggle when their kids are out the house and they can't get to them or it's too far away, or it's, you know, they didn't, they're stuck to one little city because they, they've worked brick and mortar, you know, forever and ever, or, and now they, now now they're starting to process to build that future. Right. Right. But it's, and it's not too late, right? You can always do it. Oh yeah. But doing it while your kids are at home, I think is such a, it's hard. Um, but I think it's worthwhile, Mm. you know, to start looking futuristically at, yeah, like this season, my kids are all home. They all still love me. Yeah. I mean, how much, how many, how many more months might I have of that? You know, having a 13 and an 11 year old, right? You like, never know. Have Have you heard that I hate you yet? Um, I, no, not to me. Nope. Okay. Not to, <laughs> not to me. I have heard you're not my mom, which okay. is biologically true. Um, uh, yeah, not your that's... biological mom, right? Um, but I haven't heard I hate you yet. They probably you know, said under their breath. Uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 part of it. I remember when my daughter, she was so mad at me. I can't remember what it was about. She's like, I hate you. And I remember I looked at her and I said, well, you know what, honey? Sometimes I'm not very happy with you either, but I still love you. I don't like you right <laughs> you now. Because what do they say to that? You. you know, sometimes I'm not very happy with you either, but. That's, that's right. We're allowed to not get along. 
you know? Of course. Yeah. I think that's the other thing about raising kids abroad is you have the opportunity to create a really strong family culture Mm. because you're not in something normal, right? You're creating your new normal. And if you think about my family, my husband's Samoan. So he brings in Samoan culture, Mm. three biological kids, and then an adopted daughter from China. It's like, we're this melting pot of actually, I really don't like the word melting pot because that, that implies that you lose your own identity. You kind of melt in to everyone else. Mm. You dilute yourself. We're kind of like a salad. I like the idea of salad instead because you still maintain, you know, the tomatoes, your individuality individuality and things that you, that make you, you. Mm. Yes. And so my kids, you know, they're, they're by racial. I'm not, I don't, you know, my daughter is the only Chinese student in a school of 500 Mexican kids, right? I don't know what that experience is like. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So it's super cool to create this really strong family culture Mm. where it's outside of the Chinese culture. It's outside of the Mexican culture. In fact, it's outside of the Samoan culture or even just the white Caucasian culture that I, that I bring to the table, mm-hmm. right? We are creating our own culture pieces and right. Ron and I are crazy about our kids loving each other because when Important. we're gone, it's all they got, Yeah, you know, and there's no yeah. better way to create that than to put our kids in all of these really hard, challenging situations where, well, you just- know, and when we think about, you know, if we look back at, at people over history and, and famous people or people who become famous or, or things like that, generally the ones that have more hard times do better. Like there's, there's some, there's a saying, and I, I'm probably going to mess it up and get it a little bit wrong, but it's something like tough times build strong men, strong men build good times, good times build weak men, weak men build bad times, bad times build strong men, or or it's something, something like that. And another one was very much person who grew up with nothing and made millions. He's like, yes, I'm driving a, say a Ferrari. My son will drive a Lamborghini and his son will probably be walking. Yep. Yep. Because it's, it's those, those times that we get knocked down, those hard times, those challenges that give us that strength to be like, it's okay. It's, we've been through it before. I will get through this again. Um, and those things that do make us stronger and more resilient to make us more in some cases successful in other cases, just better human beings, better empathy, Empathy. right? Mm -hmm. More empathy. My kids know intimately what it's like to be the new kid. Oh yeah. What it's like not to be able to communicate. Oh my gosh. Their heart for people who cannot communicate and the new kids bleeds, mm-hmm. right? Because they intimately know my kids know what it's like to have a, a sister who's sick, right? Mm-hmm. We've done open heart surgeries with grace and she, you know, she requires medical attention. Their heart for that is right. enormous, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's Angela Duckworth's, I think it's her work on grit, and how grit is like the number one deciding factor in the success that somebody can reach in life, right? When they come up against hardship, do they fold or do they cry, brush themselves off and find a way forward? 
Mm. Right. And, and that's, I think what this global citizen lifestyle does for people who choose to embark on it. You know, when we were in China, we, uh, a lot of foreigners that would just complain about X, Y, Z. There's a lot to complain about. It's hard. It's still considered a, a hardship assignment, right? It's hard. The language is hard. It's so hard. Um, but Ron and I were always confused about like, you don't have to be here. True. Like. Nobody's forcing you to be there. You chose to go. So. Right. Like you're not a tree. You can move. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it was that when we started to feel those sentiments towards the life that we had, that we were like, time to go. Yeah. Right. Because especially if you choose this lifestyle, you shouldn't be hanging out in a place that's not bringing you joy and not adding value mm. to your world. Right. You're not stuck in your hometown. Right. Cause you have to commute to a job because you've got mouths to feed. Like that's not what most of us choose this life for. No. Right. We're, but we're there not, is we're something... not stuck. Yeah, in the town, no. the city, the state, or even the country. No, like, we really and aren't. even if you move, I say to people too, even if you move, these people, you know, if they're they're scared and they're worried, said so once you move, if you don't like it, now it's not always easy. I am aware, especially with families and kids, but if you and your family truly hate it, you can always leave. You can go to another country. You could try maybe just another city. It could be just another city or area within the country to go to. You could leave that country and either go back to your home country or try a different one. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, not, or, we're not stuck. It's not easy, but we're not stuck. We're not stuck. Or another option is stick it out six months longer, one year longer, because maybe there's things that you need to shift you need to learn. I mean, it took me three years to like living in China. My first year was a debacle. It was a debacle. I had this homestay that was borderline abusive. It was horrendous. But I still chose to go back because I had given three years of my life to studying Chinese. And I was like, what a waste. If I don't go give it a try. Right. But what if I hadn't, we'd be in the States right now. We wouldn't have chosen this lifestyle because it's not how we were raised. It's, it's not in the DNA. We're creating it in the DNA of our children. Right. Right. And so, yeah, it's, mm. you're not stuck. You're not stuck locally. If, even if your listeners are like thinking about, oh gosh, my life, blah, blah, blah. You could move to a different house. You could move okay. to a different city in your home country. You could look for work remotely. I mean, there's so many things you can do, but people don't realize that. I don't think. Because if you're not it, it around people tough. who live like this, yeah. Mm. If you're not around people who live like this, you you don't have the purview to go, huh, maybe there is something different I could do. It's it's so true because when I first, when I was leaving Canada, I kind of felt a little bit like the black sheep. Not And not not in a bad way. So I, I, I shouldn't say black sheep because not in a bad way, but- I was the only one that really was, I need to go. I want to go. I don't want to live here. Like, and I had that feeling since high school. And I mean, on and off, it wasn't a full time, 
but I just, I knew, and, and it was just weird. And then when I got to Costa Rica, when I moved there, I was like, I just thought, oh my God, there's so many people like me. There's people from Canada. There's people from the United States. There's people from Europe. There's so many people who've moved here away from their families, away from their friends. And they're like me and they're normal. I'm not the only one. Yes. And, and, it and that network just, oh yeah. yeah. And, and the network is, is, it's everywhere. Like, unless you're in a really, really small, small town or small for, you know, remote areas or something like that, um, there's expat communities in so many places now. Almost everywhere. Almost everywhere. Right. Yeah. And, and there's a skill set to connecting and there's a skill set to building community that expats master. Mm -hmm. Right. And in fact, expats in hard countries where the language is super difficult or the culture is so difficult, like in China, not difficult, but so different. Um, the expat community in China was super tight because we all knew we needed each other. Right. The expat community here is much more self-sustaining. Spanish, lots of people speak Spanish, right? There's lots of retirees here, right? They're not looking for schools. They're not looking for, right? The food is so much more familiar. So mm -hmm. it, it took us longer here to develop community because you're, you're not needed. Right. Right. Than it did in China. And we're, we're community builders. You know, we would have Mona meats on Fridays. We would just, people would bring meat and we'd grill out and, you know, talk about life in China nice. and share resources. And like, that was who we were. And then we had Monday night supper club in Shenzhen because it's hard. Mm hmm it's hard. We had ladies, ladies night Tuesday, and it was just ladies in Costa Rica. And, and sometimes there would be 20 of us, um, but it was fantastic. That. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you go back to your home country, the number one complaint that I hear from returning expats is the fences are really high. People yeah. have their own life. They stay in their own lane. You don't even know your neighbors. You don't know your neighbors, you know, pick and choose here. You, it's not safe to not know your neighbors. You better know your neighbors, mm -hmm. right? Like what if you have an emergency? Don't you want to go and knock on your neighbor's door? I do. Right. Like right. you, you've, you make different choices as expats because you know that you're in a vulnerable situation and community becomes that much more important, right. Right? but there's a skill set to that. Absolutely. Right. And once you learn the skill set, you can go to any city anywhere and make friends. Mm -hmm. And that's a skill set that our kids learn too. Oh, for sure. They definitely have that. Right? Like my kids aren't shy. They'll go make friends with anybody. Mm -hmm. right? Because they're in China, their friends would leave every year. Every year, right. these kids dealt with loss. Every year we dealt with loss. And in fact, in a place like China, when you meet someone new, after you've been there 15 years, you start going, what's your contract? How many years? Yeah. How, how, many how years long do are you going to be here before? so I can prepare myself? Yeah. So I can, and how, that, how much am I going to invest in you? And that is a big downfall, especially with like a city like Barcelona. Barcelona mm. is extremely transient um, in the sense of people come, some are, I'm here for a year. I'm here for three years. I'm here for six months. And okay. And I mean, of course, there's some that are longer or there's some that I don't know. So it's like, oh, you don't know. And I, I get it but you don't know like 
five years you don't know one year you don't know like or like six you months you don't know how much do you yeah. not know <laughs> and and so I mean I I do get it and that's that's kind of one of the things to be careful of too with some of the big popular cities is many and I'm going to include and I don't know for sure but I'm going to assume places like London New York mm-hmm. LA Paris like all of those kind of big popular cities where sometimes expat look to go, especially if people are going for work, if they're on that work contract, one year, three years, five years, then they go. And and so it can be hard to have a deep community and deep relationships. You as you, you know, you either casual, like, okay, yeah, we're here, we hang out, but we're a little bit mm, not going to get too close because I know you're going to be leaving in a couple of years. So we'll, we'll we'll keep to the acquaintance level, but that's about it. It sounds awful, but it's really just when you've done this long enough, it's self-protection yeah, and self-preservation. And I wish it didn't happen, but it does. But it, it does. It does. It does. And here, maybe what's something that is so nice about here is my kids are just at a local private school. It's not transient. That's right? nice. Yeah. Like these kids live here, mm-hmm. you know, their families are from here. They're going to graduate from here. They're, they're going to have those deeper connections. So they're not going to want to leave because then it will be harder because now they're really developing those ones where if people aren't leaving every year, they're now getting used to people not leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, when we were leaving China, so China is unbelievably safe because there's so much control. Mm-hmm. So my kids could go around the block, walk the dog. You know, my five-year-old could do that. And that would be totally fine. But so when we were moving to Mexico, we had a lot of people who were like, Mexico. Oh, it's so dangerous like, there. Don't go to Mexico. It's because they've been watching Narcos on Netflix, you know, <laughs> like, fine. Um, right. But, but we had to mitigate that too of like, well, wait a second. We know what we've heard. Lots of people live in Mexico. Lots of expats live in Mexico. Lots of children are born in Mexico, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, let's just get there and figure it out. And there are obviously safer places and less safe places. Just as in Um, the United States or Canada. Right. Or other European cities, like everywhere in the world. Yes. But my kids did not have to develop street smarts in China. Mm. I lost my because kid. everything was so safe. Yes, I lost my kid once in our compound. So everything's gated. So I lost her. She was down playing and I went down to find her. Couldn't find her. Went to the guard shack and I said, hey, I've lost Margie. Like this, you know, I've lost Margie. Can you help me find her? Because I knew that she couldn't have left the compound. Right. Right. So he's like, oh yeah, oh, there she is playing in the garden. You know, fast forward, she found Fei-Fei. Oh, yep, they, her and Fei-Fei, her friend, walked into building seven. Oh, there they are at the elevator. Okay, up to the four, fourth floor, 4C in building seven. You're exactly Hi, I think you have my kid. <laughs> Gee, you know, but they didn't have to develop street smarts. Right. Here, you better believe they're developing street smarts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And we talk about strange behavior danger, not stranger danger. Because right. I do not want my kids afraid of 
strangers. I want them to know what strange behavior might look like, Mm -hmm. especially because they're going to be living cross-culturally probably forever. What does strange behavior look like here? Strange behavior is kind of strange behavior no matter what language you're speaking. Right. Right. So helping raise kids who are street smart. That's an opportunity we have here. Now you could go, oh, it's because Mexico is so much more dangerous. Sure. You could, you could use, you could view it that way if you choose to, but I mean, let's view it. You would have to have a street smart, even if you're living in LA, even if you're living in New York, even if you're in Detroit, Chicago, Toronto, at like anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Except China, which is where we take it. Oh, anywhere except China. Okay. Maybe China, right? Where you can, and you know, there's petty crime, whatever, but very different. You know, even the police in China don't carry guns. Right. So my kids have never been around any gun violence, like none of that. They they didn't, which part of me. And that's nice growing up when they're quite small. Like that, that really is nice that they could just be kids and be that way. But, you know, it, it is another kind of silver lining of, of having to move is now they are learning some street smarts, which is, is great. You need to have that because being just book smart will only get you so far in life. You're better off to be street smart in a lot of times, um, you know, for, for survival and advancement and things like that. So it's Absolutely. great now that they are having it and in a place that's really not that dangerous. No, I mean, there's, of course there, you know, there's some places when we're taking road trips, we're like, oh, we're not taking that road because I mean, there's an entire Facebook group for traveling in Mexico. Okay. Where people report like which ways they want to go because the narcos will pull you over and take your car. Okay. Fine. You don't go on those roads. Right. Right. But that's just learning how to navigate life. It doesn't mean that you fold. Right. Right. And you never leave your house and you don't experience the beauty of the world because there's some people, you know, who might not be the safest, you know, you just learn how to navigate your life around it. Right. And that's, I mean, that's, that's like, as, as we go back to many, not even many destinations, but at the same thing, it's, it's, it's the same of getting in your car every day. You don't know if you're going to get into an accident, whether it was your fault because you made a mistake or somebody else's fault and you did absolutely nothing wrong or, you know, don't know planning a trip. It's navigate. It's navigating life. And what are you going to I say to people, what are you going to do? Sit at home, eat potato chips, watch TV and then have a heart attack. Like, wow, that really saved you, didn't it? Like we are all going to go at some point. Obviously mm-hmm. not, we don't want to go sooner than later and we want to be safe, but it's the same thing. People ask me all the time. Oh, you travel all the time by yourself. Yes. 90% of my trips by myself. And I've gone to many amazing countries and, and people I've had weird questions. So I did a, a trip. This one I did with a friend of mine. We went, um, she had planned most of it. And I joined her. We went to Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and Kyrgyzstan. So we called it the mm-hmm. four stand loop. And so many people are like, is it safe? Oh my gosh, it was so safe, so clean, so nice, so amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I've had other people that are like, well, if you travel by yourself, like, what do you what do you do when you want to eat? I said, I go eat. I either I sit at a restaurant and order food. Stuff, or I go to a restaurant and sit down by yourself. Yes. 
by myself, or sometimes I'll sit at the bar and, and chat with the bartender if they speak English. Or I sit at a table by myself and I eat. Yes. Like, you know, and of course, just navigating that too is I don't go to clubs. I don't go clubbing by myself. I'm not out drinking at two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Like no. it's, it's navigating life just as you don't go down certain roads, you don't do certain things. And I wouldn't do that even in the United States. Like no. I just wouldn't do that anywhere. I, it, you know, if I'm traveling by myself, it's not what I do. So it's, it is just part of navigating, gating life. There's a lot of fear for those looking into this sort of a lifestyle. There's a lot of fear that, um, fear of the unknown really, mm -hmm. uh, that stops people mm -hmm. from making this leap. Right. And I think the idea that you can always go home, you can, you can always go home, but you've got to make the choice to go and experience something else. And yes. the tapestry of humans we have across the globe. Like when my kids go to Europe, you better believe Auntie Yvonne in Amsterdam is going to be flying down to Barcelona or wherever <laughs> Brie is to go and have, you know, meals with her on the weekend, right? Because she can. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I need something from her, like I was in the US for work and I get a phone call from my husband very calmly. Hi. Hi. I just want to let you know we're at the emergency room. I said, okay. He said, Brie had an accident. This is my oldest. And we think she may have broken her pelvis. Oh. And I was like, okay. And she goes, he goes, Claudia is here with us. So there's this woman, Claudia here, who's basically a medical concierge service. So she okay. used to work in the, in the medical field here, knows all the doctors, knows how it runs. And she, her business is built on expats like my family, who, when Brie had this accident in the park, Ron calls Claudia and says, here's what happened. What do I do? Right. Right. And Claudia was there at the emergency room to translate and to find all the doctors and all this stuff. Well, I was getting private messages from friends going, well, aren't you going to fly home? She going to go like, why are you still in the States? Why aren't you flying home to your baby? And I'm like, one, her pelvis was not broken. She did not require surgery. I still had like seven days left on my work trip. And I was like, because I know she's taken care of. Because what are, what are you going to do that somebody else there cannot do? I'm going to just sit there and add worry to the pile. Right. And I said, we have intentionally created a network of people and service providers and support where, you know, my kid born with half a heart, you better believe I know exactly what to do. If this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, right? Most people I know in America do not have those plans in place because they don't think they're ever going to need them. Right. They live in a false reality because mm -hmm. life is so normal. When you step out of your normal life, you realize the things you need in place. Mm -hmm. right. To, to go to bed at night, right. feeling like I got this, right. My kids are safe. Everyone's good. We've got, you know, we've got it sorted. Yes. That's an added benefit of living abroad is knowing that you don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring, but that provides an unbelievable level of excitement to life and newness to life and novelty. Absolutely. You know, we're not, we're not stuck in a rut. 
because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring yeah. or where you're going to be, right? You're mm-hmm. there you are and looking at the next move. You're like, okay, I think my time is run. It's course here. Like where's next? What's next? What's the yeah. next adventure? What's the next thing to do? Exactly. And this world is so big and it's so beautiful. And the people are so wonderful. There's so many wonderful things. That's one thing I hate about the media is they make so many places seem so bad, so scary, so many bad people. I mean, yeah, there are bad people in the world, but there's so many more good, kind, friendly people than there are bad people. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. And you don't know that unless you go abroad. And as an American, I mean, the amount of Americans with passports is abysmal. Um, the number of people who have never even, I mean, passport's first step, right? Like even just having a passport in the drawer is a positive move in the right direction, right? Um, it's because we think we're the best. You right, better believe. better to go nowhere better to go. You better believe that I started telling people I was Canadian in China because I didn't want to have the conversation about America. Mm. When you leave as an American and you realize that you are not as beloved as our media would like to pretend like we are, Mm -hmm. right? You start going, huh? Or my husband works for this unbelievable company that serves underprivileged schools in the U.S. Uh, It's a reading company. Okay. Well, that company exists because only 40 some odd percentage of fourth graders in America actually read at a fourth grade level. That's an awful statistic. It's a horrific statistic. This is America. Like, but we don't, I think if you never leave, you don't. You don't realize because people, people unfortunately think that they're getting unbiased news when they're watching the news you are getting american propaganda canada is getting canadian american propaganda the news is the same you know what europe gets european propaganda russia gets russian propaganda china gets china propaganda every country gets propaganda and you don't realize it until you leave and then you see the reality of the world and it is far better far better than any news media outlet anybody ever shows or tells on TV. A hundred percent. The news media outlets propagate fear. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Because fear is control. Well, when you have a steady diet of murders, robberies, stabbings, gunshot, you know, shootings, when Mm -hmm. you, when you're eating that, what is that doing to your spiritual body? What is that doing to your emotional body? It's killing it. Physical body. It's killing you. It's killing you, mm-hmm. right? And and we do it because we're taught to do it. We do it because it's the news is just on and everyone's home. The news is never on in my home because no. and, and then it seems normal. And then it's like, oh, it's normal. It's like that is not normal. No, I, I, I have a TV in my place. I've had this place for two years and I've never once turned it on. I honestly don't even know if it works. It was here when I bought it and I've never even attempted to turn it on. I like, I have my phone, of course, I scroll through some news a little bit on my phone to see, kind of be aware of what's going on in the world. Um, Very rare. Do I read a lot of news articles or anything? And I also, I also look who wrote this article. What, what, what's what's it coming from? What angle exactly am I getting Mm -hmm. from it? 
So interestingly, China being such a controlled state, Chinese watch the news, but they know it's propaganda. Mm. Americans, Canadians, Europeans watch the news, but they don't think it's propaganda. No. They don't understand the control. They don't understand that the Associated Press gives the same fear news stories to every news outlet across the world. Right. Somebody's controlling that. Yes. Somebody's writing that. Why? Right. When you're out in the real world and you're Mm -hmm. seeing the beauty and you're meeting the people and you're building the relationships, right? And you're doing it, there's no need to watch the news. No. And people will tell me, I have my own friends are like, ah, your head's in the sand. I'm like, you know what? My life's real good with that Mm -hmm. head in the sand because, you know, I'm building my own economy, right? I'm building my Mm -hmm. own businesses. If I eat the news on how one the economy is. Do you think I can go to my job, my businesses and create my own economy? No, you can't. You're too influenced over here. Oh, the economy's bad. No one's buying baloney. I'm not going to try that hard. I'm not going to work that hard because the economy is terrible. So there's no No one spending money. No point in Oh, and a few no's. Yeah, of course, because the economy is bad. So a few people said, no, I'll just stop for today and maybe make a few calls tomorrow. Yeah. So you're right. You're, you're making the prediction of what you're listening to. Yes. Yes. And so if you shield yourself from that, you know, I tell my kids, cause my kids have tablets, right. Mm -hmm. And I tell my kids, I need you to, when you're surfing, when you're watching people, when you're following people, I want you to, to do it with discernment. How does that make you feel? Does it make you feel like you can go and conquer the world or does it make you feel afraid and like you want to stay in? You don't want to go out. You don't want to, does it make you feel jealous, right? Are they trying to induce those sorts of comparison emotions for you, right? Follow the people that make you feel like you can go and conquer the world. Absolutely. Those are the people that are allowed into your, your brain space. You can't just let anyone with their dirty old shoes walking around your head. Right. Right. That's what the news is. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the dirty old shoes clouding my vision, clouding my future. If you let them in. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Right? So we have very similar views on, on the news, my friend. Yes. Yes. So, um, we, we are running a little long here. Um, we are. But, uh, I, I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation. So just touch base a little bit on your work and how you help people and, and ways that they could be in touch with you um, if they wanted to work with you. Awesome. Um, so two businesses, very kind of disparate, um, but both very passion, passion driven. Um, when I was in China, one of the biggest hurdles was medical care um, in the language around medical care, finding medical care that... Um, was great, you know, and so I got into the world of natural health because I needed empowerment. I needed my kids were sick all the time. I was missing work. Um, I needed I needed to feel like I could take care of the things, and so I became an aromatherapist um, to work with medicinal grade essential oils, not just the stuff that makes your house smell good. Um, so I do a lot of that work here with families, um, teaching lots of teaching, and so if natural health, if you if you find yourself you know, wanting more control, wanting more empowerment over how you take care of yourself and your family. That's one way. Um, and then the other one is branding and marketing. And so I have a branding business that focuses on brand communication. It's really for 
the solopreneur just starting out, or ideally has a bit of, um, a bit of time under their belt in their business. And they're realizing that they aren't quite sure on the value proposition they bring to the table, how to communicate the brand, all of the target market work, um, visual communication, of course. So brand logo, that sort of thing. But really it's about digging into how you want to set up your business for the most flexibility and freedom. Right. So I, I work with a lot of expat moms, Mm -hmm. um, who want, to do the hard work of siphoning off time as they're raising their babies, right? Build, building business between bus stop runs to be able to build something so that when they need it, it's ready-made and available there for them. And I'm extra passionate about that because we could have never left China if I didn't have my business because my husband had to give up his work. Right. So if we didn't have savings and we didn't have my business, we would have been stuck doing something that we didn't want to do. Right. So, so those two, those, those two businesses. Yeah. Those are Fantastic. how I spend my days in between school runs. Right. Right. And we'll make sure that we put uh, links to everything in the show notes below. So I just want to say thank you, Allie, so much for your time today. There was so much valuable information and insights to different things. And I know the listeners have definitely got a lot of valuable information. Oh, I loved chatting with you fellow fellow global citizen it's really it's been a pleasure sally thank you